Here's the Bills' latest pick. With the ninth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, Houston. Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Tredavious White, defensive back, LSU. Jermaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. Wednesdays on this podcast mean one thing, and that's Water Cooler Wednesday, where we have a conversation with a guest, an organic conversation around the water cooler. And our guest today is John Butchko from the Locked On Jets podcast. Before I welcome John onto the show, I do want to remind you that today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Also, today's show is brought to you by Grip 6 Belts, which are ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day present. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com slash lock. Grip 6, that's the number 6. There's an E on the end of lock. And then finally, you can get the Locked On Bills podcast on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bills. John, how are we doing? Welcome to the show. Well, I'm doing great, Joe, after hearing that, that exciting news about Hotels.com and Grip 6 Belts and Himalaya. I mean, how, how could I not be pumped to be here? Talking Jets, talking AFC East. Yeah, we're always thankful for those sponsors. Uh, as uh, as a couple guys who work for this Lockdown Podcast Network, a uh, big shout out to all of today's sponsors. John, the the Jets are an interesting team, right? I mean, it's it's like uh, uh, exciting young roster, but then the situation with Adam Gase in the front office. And I hate to start there, but I think we have to. What do you make of this? What do we need to know about this situation? Uh, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I think you have to wait to see who they end up hiring as their general manager to pass final judgment. But I mean, the way this whole offseason has been handled probably probably leads to more questions than answers. Uh, the Jets spent a record amount in free agency. They they came in with a little under $100 million in cap space. They gave out big contracts to the likes of Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, a few other guys, Jamison Crowder. Uh, they let Mike McCagnan lead their coaching search. They let him run the draft. They let him spend all this money in free agency. And then you fire him. You would think that an offseason this important, you would not let a general manager you're about to fire run it. You'd think you'd clean house and start over. So that's question number one. And there, there are a bunch of other like side questions with this because throughout the coaching search, it became clear that Mike McCagnan had a big role in this. In fact, uh, there were three, three candidates who were finalists in this search. Uh, one was Adam Gase, who they eventually hired. One was the former Packers coach, Mike McCarthy. And another was Baylor's head coach, Matt Rule. And according, if you, depending on which report you believe, it sounds like one of the big reasons Gase got the job is that Mike McCagnan wanted to have a say over some of the assistants who were hired by, uh, by the new coach. And Gase was the only one who was amenable to these uh, conditions. So that played into him getting the job. And then you fire the GM who had such a, big influence over the coaching search. It just is, it's a kind of a head scratching turn of events, to be honest with you. 
John, is the silver lining that if Adam Gase and Mike McKagan weren't going to be able to work together, that it's best to just pull the Band-Aid off right now and move on? Or is it just is it just that perplexing where we can't make heads or tails of this thing? Well, you know, there's that element of it. But on the other hand, I think the 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 flip side of that is after Adam Gase was hired, the CEO, Chris Johnson, his press conference, you know, he, he did a lot of talking about how these two were going to work great together and how this was going to be like the perfect marriage. So if this is your idea of the perfect marriage, that this is what you put together and it could not last even six months, we could not even get to the first training camp. I think it, again, we'll have to wait to see who they end up hiring, but I think it does not inspire confidence in the Jets' ability to get this right. So let's let's uh, focus this on Adam Gase, who obviously did not have a successful tenure with the Miami Dolphins, and, and the Jets are giving him a second chance. Where do you draw optimism for better results in New York than what we saw from Gase in Miami? Uh, well, I have to be honest with you. Uh, throughout this whole process, I mean, there were not a lot of people the Jets interviewed who got me really excited. It was more, okay, I could buy into that guy. Gase was one of my least favorite candidates because I saw the work he did in Miami. I was not that impressed by what he did with the Dolphins. I think the biggest point of optimism, though, is I think Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than he had in Miami. I think when you look at what he had in Miami, a lot of people would have had a tough time making it work with what he had. Ryan Tannehill, I don't think it's ever going to happen for Ryan Tannehill. I think no matter who his coach is, he's just a guy who's kind of mediocre. And he didn't even have Tannehill for one year. Now, you can argue he should not have signed Jay Cutler, but at the end of the day, he was not going to have a quality quarterback during the 2017 season. And so much of this league comes down to, do you have a quarterback? And you really need a good quarterback to have a chance. I Personally, I'm a big Sam Darnold fan. So I think the fact that you have Sam Darnold in place, there's no que- in my mind, there's no question that this is better than anything Gase had in Miami. I think it was going to be tough for Gase to win big in Miami with what he had at the quarterback position. So, John, let's let's get into Sam Darnold, his his rookie season. Not all that unlike Buffalo's guy in Josh Allen. Bumpy start. Very, very promising finish. What are you looking from uh, Sam Darnold in year two? Well, it's like you mentioned, he, he finished the year strong and it really felt like the game was kind of starting to slow down for him near the end of the season. I think one area where Adam Gaze will be an upgrade is just in designing the offense. Uh, the Jets had Jeremy Bates as their offensive coordinator a year ago. Bates uh, was hired as the quarterback's coach in 2017. Prior to that, he had been out of the league for like five years. And one thing I always said on my podcast is I think it showed because you just you see you've seen how the NFL has evolved offensively within the last you know three or four years. And the Jets were just missing a lot of those modern wrinkles, whether it's the formation, how they were not bunching their receivers, um, incorporating, you know, some of the new new age play designs, those things were just not there to make the quarterback's life easier. Uh, so I think Gates will be an upgrade in that area. And I also think the addition, some of the additions they made, particularly Le'Veon Bell, I think when you look at the end of last season, one of the most impressive things about Sam Darnold is that the Jets' offense pretty much came down to asking Darnold to make a play with the pocket collapsing, the receivers not getting separation, putting the ball into a tight window. I mean, pretty, the offense pretty much came down to whether Sam Darnold could do something special. And if Sam Darnold could not do something special, the <laughs> offense wasn't going to move. And having Le'Veon Bell, I think, is going to take a lot of pressure off him. First of all, in allowing the Jets to establish a run game and keeping him out of some bad downs and distances, but also just as a check down option, as a guy they can put into the slot to help Darnold identify coverages pre-snap. I think he's going to be a big help. I think Le'Veon Bell 
was probably worth more to the Jets than he is any any other team in the league based on where they are, the quarterback they had, and you know the lack of supporting talent the team had in 2018. I, I want to talk more about that supporting cast here in a minute, but one thing that I found to be pretty surprising uh, for the Jets going into 2018 is that they replaced John Morton, their offensive coordinator, with Jeremy Bates. And maybe there's a missing piece that I'm not familiar with, but I thought John Morton was a good offensive coordinator. That I thought he was on the fast track to being a head coach. Why did they move on from John Morton? Well, I'm with you. I was uh, puzzled at the time when they made the move. Uh, from what I understand, it was just a personality thing where he was clashing with people inside the organization. I don't think it was a performance thing. I mean, the Jets offense was not that great statistically in 2017, but you have to remember the context. I mean, they were putting out a, a roster that a lot of people thought was going to be the worst team in the NFL in 2017. And for what they got from Josh McCown and some of the other guys who, you know, they did not have a ton of talent on that, on that offense. I think he did pretty well, all things considered. I think from what I understand, it was just, he did not get along with people in the building. It was more personality than anything else. Yeah. I, I liked his scheme quite a bit. Uh, John, in a minute here, I want to talk about this supporting cast around Sam Darnold. But before we do, I want to talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships direct, so you can have a discreet package, no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special code MLB. That's MLB like Major League Baseball. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Also, remember to get this show every day by subscribing to Locked On Bills on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Bills. All right, John, uh, big big upgrade here, I think, in terms of the supporting cast. Maybe not quite as big on the offensive line as many had hoped, but when you think about the additions of Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, a big move that I thought is a little bit flying under the radar, the, the trade for Kalichi Assemble. A lot of those should make this offense better. Sam Darnold in year two, better. Adam Gase, probably a better scheme guy than what has been in this building previously. Your impressions of the, of, of what the Jets have done building around Sam Darnold this offseason? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that a lot of these pieces will help. I mentioned Bell a little bit. Uh, Crowder is going to be an upgrade in the slot, I think. And Adam Gase likes to incorporate the screen game quite a bit. So he's a guy I, I see them throwing screens to. He's a guy who's can be uh, can make some plays with the ball in his hands. As you said, Assembly, I think, is a, it was a really good addition. I think if you look, the Jets needed to add a guard. And 
the guard market was not that great this year in free agency beyond Roger Saffold. So they made the trade for assembly right before the start of free agency and really gave up nothing. I mean, they gave Oakland a five and got a six back. So yeah, essentially, yeah. I mean, essentially, I mean, they moved, they moved down on day three to, to get a quality guard and assembly did not have a great 2018 overall. He was a little banged up, but if you look at his numbers, um, he was still a very good pass protector. So in addition, who's going to help the young quarterback? And I'll give you another guy who was he was on the team last year, but I would not be surprised to see him take a bit of a leap this year. And that's Chris Herndon, who's going to be the second year tight end. The Jets drafted him in the fourth round out of Miami. Really solid rookie year. I think for a fourth round rookie, he did. He was very impressive. He can be a different. He's going to a guy who I think is going to give defenses a lot of trouble matching up with. And Adam Gaze at his press con- one of his press conferences referred to him as the unicorn. And you know when you hear coaches talk, I mean, there's a lot of coach speak when they're describing their team. So you kind of have to listen a little close to who 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 are they really 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 praising hard. And Adam Gaze has had a lot of good things to say about Chris Herndon. So I'd expect him to be featured in the offense. And I think he's his production is going to go up this year. John, I want to talk a little bit more about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I went into this offseason and I said the most important thing the New York Jets can do is get Le'Veon Bell. And I didn't care all that much about the money because of the situation having so much cap space entering free agency. And obviously Sam Darnold on a rookie deal. They they uh, they had this kind of what I thought was a unique opportunity to commit the type of money that it would take to land a Le'Veon Bell. Uh, obviously, the, for me, when I think about why I'm excited about it, it comes down to the receiving skills that the, that Le'Veon Bell can offer Sam Darnold and really improve the spacing of the offense overall. Now, where I draw concerns regarding the Le'Veon Bell pickup is I, I get worried about the offensive line. Not that this is like a Houston Texans caliber offensive line where we need to get overly concerned, but when Bell was in Pittsburgh, he had arguably a top five offensive line in football for his entire time that he was in Pittsburgh. And I don't think anything, you know, what the jets have is really anything like what Pittsburgh has. And you think about Le'Veon Bell, a very patient runner that really allows those blocks to, to take form and work off of them. Do you think this offensive line's good enough to maximize the running ability of Le'Veon Bell? Well, it's tough to say. I mean, Joe, I, I'm not sure how exciting this show is going to be because I, you know, usually you like to have debate, and I pretty much agree with everything you just <laughs> said. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Heading into free agency, I thought Bell was a guy the Jets had to sign. I thought that. Look, we all know all the stuff that's surrounding Bell. We know it's a bit of a risk giving a running back that kind of money, but Jets had a lot of cap space. They did not have a lot of premium offensive players. This was the one premium offensive player. The Jets had to uh, surround Sam Darnold with in free agency, and they really did not give him a crazy contract. They did not reset the running back market with this deal. They're paying him a lot of. They're paying him like an elite back, but they did not go out of control with with with, with which may have been justified given their mm-hmm. situation. But the contract was not that bad. Um, even with the assembly, I think there is some concern about about the offensive line. It statistically was one of the worst run blocking units in the league a year ago. When you look at success rate, when you look situational power, uh, when you look situationally in, in power scenarios, I mean, it was an offensive line that really struggled to get a push in the run game. So I think it, it is a concern. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I have worries about this. I, I do like the addition of bell. I think he's a better back than Isaiah Crowell was. Yeah. Crowell was kind of their lead back a year ago. So, Bell's probably not going to hit the heights he hit in Pittsburgh, but I think he is going to help the Jets establish at least a credible run game, a type of run game that will at least keep Darnold out of a lot of the bad downs and distances he was in a year ago. So 
I, I think it will hurt Bell. I think Bell is good enough to at least make it credible. I don't think this is a guy who's going to suddenly regress to like 3.2 per carry, 3.1, you know, but I'm not sure he's going to hit his the heights that he had in Pittsburgh, maybe split the difference. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting, uh, interesting way to look at it there. Let's shift gears to the defense, John. Uh, secondary looks awesome. Uh, the, the defensive line with Leonard Williams and Quinn Williams, that looks like it's about as good of an interior duo as you're going to find in the league. C.J. Mosley, a big-time addition to the second level of the defense. What are your expectations for this, this uh, defense in 2019, and is there enough pass rush off the edge for this to be you know, like an elite defense? Okay, I would say the secondary. I, I would tweak the comment about the secondary a little bit. I think the safeties look really strong. Yeah, Jamal that's Adams, right? Yeah, Jamal Adams, you know, was was an All Pro a year ago. Uh, Marcus May was banged up a lot, but he had a pretty solid rookie year. I do think there are a lot of questions about the corners because you have Tremaine Johnson, who did just had a bad year. Uh, he was a big free agent signing a year ago, and he probably, if it was not for the cap situation, if the Jets could get out of that deal without a big dead money hit. I think they probably would have done it this year because he did not really live up to the deal in any way. He was injured a lot. His play on the field was not that good aside from a few games. And the last week of the year, he was skipping practices. So he was actually, yep. de- he, was, he was a healthy scratch last week of the year because he missed practices last week of the season. Uh, and beyond that, you have Daryl Roberts, who's never late twenties, never been a starter in the league. So I think there are a lot of questions at corner. There are a lot of strengths though. As you mentioned, the safe, the safeties are really good. Uh, you have C.J. Mosley at linebacker. You have Avery Williamson, who mm-hmm. uh, had had an excellent. He was a good free agent signing for the Jets last year. And as you mentioned, uh, you have the two Williamses, the as I call it, the new Williams wall on the defensive line. Uh, the edge is definitely a question mark. They got Jachai Polite out of uh, Florida with their third round pick, and he was a guy who you know his film looked first round material. A lot of people think, but mm-hmm. his pre draft process was about as disastrous as you could have, which dropped it to the third round question is how much can you expect out of him from year one? I'm always of the school that you don't expect a lot of, a lot out of rookies, especially guys after the first round. And if they give you something, it's a bonus. I think they're going to try and compensate. I think they're going to hope they get enough out of their interior defensive line to kind of compensate for what they're lacking off the edge. Because after polite, you have Jordan Jenkins who had seven sacks last year, but I think he, I take the under on him getting that. He's a guy who pretty much has a bull rush and not a whole lot else. He kind of, it was just one of those years where guys were being pushed into him. It wasn't like he, he was going out there dominating tackles. Uh, you have Brandon Copeland, who's kind of a journeyman. You have Frankie Louvu, who was a non-drafted rookie a year ago, marginally productive. So not a lot, a lot off the edge. I think the Jets are strong everywhere except edge and corner. Those are the two question marks. Uh, so they'll go as far as those, as those positions take them, I think, if they cannot, uh, unless, you know, Quinnen Williams steps in in year one and just totally dominates and puts up an all pro level performance, which is possible. But again, yeah. I don't want to count on that a guy year one. Uh, so those are the question marks. Uh, lots of talent, but a few areas where you wonder what's going to happen. So I don't want to toss a wet blanket over here because I think the Jets are very much in a lot of ways on the uptick, right? But we just had a good conversation. You said there's concerns at edge rusher cornerback and offensive line. Those, those are not the three spots, no, right? No. We want to be talking about concerns. So look, we've been in this position for 20 years now. We're all chasing the Patriots, right? What are your expectations in 2019 for the, for the New York jets? Well, look, you got a quarterback year two. You just had a, a big spending off season. Uh, you're adding a top three pick to the mix. Uh, 
Gase, although I have question marks about Gase, I do think he's a better coach than Todd Bowles. I think Bowles was just not the right guy for the Jets. So I do think Big Gase will be an upgrade in that area. I think this is the type of season for the Jets, even with their question marks, with you know, with Darnold in year two, with some of the talents, even with the question marks at some of the key positions. I think this is the type of year for the Jets where if they don't have a winning record, this is a disappointment. I think we're past the point where we can say the Jets are building if they go, you know, six, seven wins. I think this is a year if the Jets are going to say this was this was a successful year, they have to have a winning record. Yeah, so you're looking for nine plus wins in That's, 20 2019. I am saying, yeah, I'm saying for the Jets, if any, anything less than nine wins, I think you have to view as an unsuccessful year. Yeah. Um, well, so let's shift gears to the Bills here. A couple questions I have for you. Um, the Jets got to see Josh Allen once last year, if I, if I recall correctly. Uh, the other, the Matt Barkley game was the other was the other Jets oh, game. God. What in the world, right? We're still trying oh, to figure God. that out. So, so when you think about Josh Allen, you, you got a chance to play him once. Probably kept some some close tabs on him because we're all in this rivalry now with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, who are best friends, right? But uh, the on field stuff is a different story. The Bills did a lot to improve around him this off season. Your your overall impressions of Josh Allen and this Bills offense? You know, I liked a lot of the the additions the Bills made. And I loved I love what they did in the draft. I, I especially day two. I mean, they drafted two of my favorite players day two in you know, Ford and Knox. Those were two guys that I had my eyes on for the Jets. So I think they've added uh, some quality pieces around um, Allen. I did. I, you know, I Allen was not my favorite quarterback in 2018, but I thought me I neither, saw a lot Johnson. of good That's things. okay. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, there were some things I liked about him. I, I was, I wasn't as high as like his biggest fan, but I wasn't as low as his biggest critic on him. He was a guy who I thought was a bit of a project, you know, a guy who needed a little bit of development probably may have been better served, not playing as a rookie. So, I mean, I'm kind of, I was kind of up in the air on him to be honest with you. I like, I do like some of the pieces the bills have added around him. And I think that if you look at this division right now, I, Hate to say it, I think New England's still at the top. Yeah, I think Miami. You look, Miami is essentially hitting the reset button. It looks like so. I, I, I think this is going to be a, a good fight between the Jets and the Bills for second place, and you know maybe both teams will be fighting it out for a wild card spot. Yeah, we get to we get to get that started in Week One, right? Uh, Buffalo travels to the Jets to start the 2019 season. All right, we've talked about uh, some of the concerns on the Jets, and now I'm giving you a unique a unique opportunity, John. You can have one player off the Buffalo Bills roster and put him on the Jets. Who are you taking? Now, I need, do need to tell you, uh, I, I had the host of Locked On Patriots, Mark Schofield, host of Locked On Dolphins, Travis Wingfield, on the previous two two weeks. They took Trey White. John, are you also taking Trey White? That's not a bad one. I'll tell you, we just talked about the Jet needs at a corner. So that I tell you, that, that would probably be the place I'd go because <laughs> the Jets could certainly use a corner. So that's... Uh, I think I think I hate to say it, but I'm going to be with the Patriots and the Dolphins guys on that one. As painful as that is, uh, it makes sense. You know, I think I I maybe I, when I was kind of looking through the Jets depth chart in advance of this show, I I, I may have overlooked that they that, you know Tremaine Johnson didn't have a good year last year and all those concerns toward the end, and then you know quarterback two is a concern. Brian Poole probably better to better slated to play the nickel. I sort of like Perry Nickerson, but he's still on him. He you know he hasn't proved himself yet. So uh, you know, look, you're going to put three four corners on the field any given play. You need to to be sure that you have enough cover men, and there are concerns there. I think Trey White, honestly, he'd be the, he'd be my pick. I I didn't necessarily agree with uh, the Dolphins and, and Patriots guys, but. Um, uh, I appreciate you coming on, John. Anything else? Any questions for me? Anything else we need to get into here in this AFC East discussion? 
No, I mean, I just hope one of us could take down the Patriots. This I, I don't have my hopes high, but can somebody beat the Patriots? You know, it's funny. I, there's the you know we always get to this point where there's the collective bargaining agreement that's up, and there's talking about a potential strike. It'll be just our luck, John, that Tom Brady retires after this season, and then we go into a friggin' strike. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but you've uh, you've been a great guest, John, and and uh, everyone. If you're looking for Jets information, be sure to check out that Locked On Jets podcast that is hosted by John Butchko. As you can tell from the last three weeks of Water Cooler Wednesday, the AFC East is well covered on the Locked On Podcast Network, and John is your go-to guy for Jets information. Uh, thanks as always for listening to this podcast. As a reminder, you can subscribe to this show and Locked On Jets on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bills. Thanks again, John, and we'll talk uh, as the season gets closer. We got that rivalry game in week one. Can't wait, though.